Everybody wonders why we're so mean. Now today, you all can't get it. You blew it! What's up, everybody? A happy, happy, happy Wednesday no, evening not. to you all. <laughs> nope. So as happy we, as it can get, we got which a lot isn't of, very happy at all. Got a lot of stuff going on right now. So it's Wednesday, October, whatever day, the 16th. You're going to be listening to this on the 17th. We're recording this at five in the afternoon. So I guess evening even because it's a little bit later in the afternoon. We'll see what the energy's like. Brennan's supposed to be calling in. He hasn't called in yet. Pouring outside. The weather's garbage. The Eagles lost. The Phillies fired their manager. They don't have much direction. The Flyers lost. The Sixers aren't playing yet. And we're going to try and keep the energy up regardless. We do have a lot of things to talk about. But just like how last week everything seemed to be going right, just like that, it's all back in the other direction now. So we'll start with... The obvious, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are in season and always grip the city more than any other team. Also, we may have to take a break for Brennan to call in. He was supposed to be on the line like five minutes ago, so don't yep. know where he is. He's bla- he's bailing. He's playing hooky. But while we wait on Brennan, uh, we will go ahead and get into the Birds game this weekend, falling to the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 38-20. to 20. <sighs> <laughs> That was <laughs> I mean, just nothing right happened in that game. So was not prepared for that drop yet. But I flew out there. It was snowing from the second I got out there to Minnesota. It's a garbage state. There's nothing to do. It's the middle of nowhere. All they're known for is a mall and a garbage sports city. There was no nightlife. Went out on Saturday night with my brother to try and watch the college football games. And, like, you can go out to a bar, but there's no one around. There's no one walking around. There's nothing to do the whole time. Because it's so fucking cold and there's no one else around, right? Yeah, and then we get to the stadium on uh, on Sunday. It's cool stadium. Amazing state-of-the-art. We had great seats. We were right on the 50-yard line. with sweet tickets. It was awesome. But then we just, from the jump, we just got our heads beaten. We couldn't cover at all you could tell from the start of that game that our secondary was just totally outmatched not only by Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook out of the backfield and Kyle Rudolph who's still a serviceable tight end for them up there but by Kirk Cousins five minutes in Eagles Twitter everyone on Eagles Twitter wanted to have Sidney Jones's head everybody five minutes in, in the game I mean, well-deserved. He got absolutely toasted right off the bat and continued to all day. Him and Rasul both were just garbage. The offense, the first possession, you've got the three runs right into the line. Now, one of those was checked to by Carson. The other one was an RPO, Doug said in his press conference. So I can't fully fault Doug on the play call there. But, I mean, you've got you've to gotta know if you're Carson Wentz that you're the most important player on the offense. You have to know if you're Doug Peterson – that you can't give Carson the option to check to a run if you want him to be able to compete in a shootout type of game from the start and get in a rhythm. We don't do a good enough job of getting this team in a rhythm. We haven't. That's why we don't score points in the first quarter. And you saw it again on Sunday. And whether that's Doug not having scripted plays or Carson checking to plays that he shouldn't or trying to get too many people involved or just not understanding how important he is to this offense, whoever it falls on, the fact of the matter is, the Eagles are a slow starting team. They have been since week one this year, and even we saw it last year. How points. many first quarter points do they have? What, 10? Maybe? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I can't. I know for at least four of the games that we played this year, we didn't score in the first quarter, which just it's inexcusable, especially considering the talent that we still have on offense. I mean, you got Alshon back now. You still have Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. You've got a couple good running backs back there. Carson, of course, we know what he is. Still a great line. Got to be able to start stronger on offense. And then defensively, they get the ball first. They score. Then you have, I mean, another bomb coming up the next possession. And just like that, you're behind the eight ball. Can't come back. If you're going, or actually if we're all going to bash defense, because rightfully so, we have to, uh, it falls on Doug hugely. I was listening to his press conference earlier this afternoon, and he said he's communicating with Jim Schwartz all the time on making these plays. So as much as the responsibility is on Schwartz, it's also just as much on Doug defensively. No, that's it's not on Doug defensively. It's not. Communicating between like a head coach and defense coordinator, especially in this instance where Doug has played offense in the NFL and played quarterback and has been an offensive coordinator and never been on the defensive side of the ball. When he says he's communicating with Jim Schwartz, what he's saying is, Jim, your guys are getting burned. Are you doing something to fix this? And Jim's saying, yeah, I got it. It's not Doug's fault. Doug's communicating with him. Doug's talking with him. Doug's like, hey, we understand our issues, right? And he's like, yeah, I understand our issues. I'm doing this scheme-wise. And Doug's like, okay. But relying on him as much as he is. I mean, there's been this pattern with the Eagles with these slow starts. And not just not putting up numbers on the board, but letting the opponent get the ball first and just put up points right out the get. If you have these patterns where you're getting scored on from the first drive – Why are you letting the opponent get the ball first? Why don't you take control of the game early? Give yourself a chance to put points up on the board early when you know you've been having these struggles and it's been so consistent. Well, Doug did say that he's taking the ball from here on out if he wins the coin toss. He's taking the ball first, which I think is absolutely the right move to do that. He has to make some kind of switch, and that's the perfect switch to do. I mean, it doesn't matter if the plays you put out there still are garbage, but... He's taking the ball first. He's going to put the offense out there. I think there's going to be a lot more of focus. Uh, There's other things to discuss from this game. We could get into a little bit about this fake field goal, too, where a lot of people are criticizing Doug there. I don't hate the actual play call on the fake field goal. The, or Sorry, I don't hate the decision to run a fake there or to go for it or whatever way he chose was the best way to get the first down. That's not a problem. For me, it's the actual design of the play. Because there's too many variables. You've got Jake Elliott, who's a third-year kicker. And he's never been involved in a play like this before. Dude's 120 pounds soaking wet. He's never thrown a football in the NFL. And you're throwing it to one guy, Dallas Goddard. So you only have one option on the play. There's no check down. And there's no option for Jake to run in. It's not blocked off for him to have any kind of wiggle room. It's literally... You're running basically the equivalent of a Pop Warner PA waggle with Jake Kelly getting the ball, direct snap. You've got one tight end running a corner or an out route in this case because you need him to get out of bounds or get to the sideline. And that's your only option. If it's covered up, you could tell the second it was covered off the line that Jake had no idea what to do with it. And Dallas had a step at the start, but that's why he's a kicker and not a quarterback. He's not ready to make that throw. You've got the variable of if he's going to stay in bounds, if he gets tackled in bounds, then you're dealing with the clock. I mean, 
You have the interception, which, of course, is the worst-case scenario there, is turning the ball over. Wait, there was just way too many variables and not enough planning. The problem with that play, the root of the problem, I think, is that Doug was trying to go Philly-Philly with that play. But the advantage Philly-Philly had was that they had two weeks to plan that out. Two weeks to make it perfect. Actually, longer, because they wanted to use that against the Minnesota NFC East game, right? They had that in their arsenal. Right, but we can't assume... That they had Nick Foles as a backup QB, an actual quarterback, and you're using a kicker to run a trick play right, like but that. Right, te- like, teams practice these fake field goals all the time. I don't think the time of the preparation is the problem. It's just the play itself was flawed, and you have to see a play that's not – It's it was not necessarily a flawed play, but the front they ran it against, they had a guy set up to defend a fake from that side. Like, they were fully prepared for it. There were multiple guys on the Vikings defense uh, on that field goal block team that knew exactly what was going on. That's not necessarily the play design. It's knowing when to run it. It's having the knowledge and telling your players on the field when to check out of that, when to call the timeout from the sidelines, seeing that they've got a wide front ready to defend that. The play itself, it could work in scenarios, and there were other opportunities in the game where it may have worked. But in that specific instance, the risk was way too high for the reward you were going to get. It was too, it was too I, high. I disagree with that. It's not it's not about the risk. Just the execution was not there. It just was not there. Going for that there, if you go for the fake field goal, better play scheme, or if you set up that play, if you call in, we're going to run a fake field goal there, and you see the front isn't there, take the timeout, go back, kick the field goal. Or take the timeout, put the offense on the field, let your franchise quarterback try and make a play. Instead of letting your kicker, who's not going to be able to diagnose a defense, try and make a throw into quadruple coverage and getting it picked off. There's a lot of stuff that could have gone better on that play in execution. Not so much in planning, not so much in choosing to go for it, but that's on Doug to be able to... Doug's got to know that that's not Carson Wentz throwing that football, and he's got to understand that it's his job to step in and stop that play before it happens, and he didn't do that. But But in any sense, do you think it would have been better had he just left Carson out, go for fourth or whatever it was at that point, and just have him throw the football? I would have rather seen Carson on the field if they were definitively going to go for it. And I'd almost, hindsight's twenty twenty, so I'm not going to say I'd rather see them kick the field goal there because I don't hate the call to go for it. But yeah, I'd rather see Carson Wentz with the ball in his hands with, what was it, fourth and four, five? I'd rather see Carson try and convert that than a play... Uh, set up against a defense that was prepared for it. The odds would certainly be better. The execution uh, more than likely would have been better. But even then, just taking a look at Minnesota's numbers all around, in every play, every time they had the ball, just offensively and defensively, they just crushed the Eagles, not just in the score, but their pure numbers as well. Yeah, we got we got dominated. I mean, they didn't outgain us too much. Our offense didn't have a terrible game. We just didn't punch the ball in. Uh, I mean, you've got to score when you get those opportunities. Zach Ertz with a late fumble to hose us a little bit again. Uh, I mean, if you remember, he hosed us with the short of the line against Atlanta where he ran a route that was about a yard too short to get us a first down in a key spot that cost us the game. He hasn't been himself this year. It's execution almost more than it is game planning, at least on a grand scale. But for those first couple plays where you're looking at the scripting, Doug also has to be better in preparing there. So a lot of stuff to work on on the offensive front. This game as a whole, 
It was just not a good look for the birds. There's not too much positive to take out of this. The, the only like real positive thing that we have is what happened in our division outside of this game, which was... You the, can say that again. The Cowboys losing to the Jets. But, I mean, it made me feel good in the short run. I'm sitting here, though, and I think back, I don't care that the Cowboys lost to the Jets. I can't clown the Cowboys for losing to the Jets. I I'd gladly did on Sunday, but the more I look at it, we got a big game Sunday night. We're technically in first place in the division right now. Even though we've played less division games the way it goes for division standing, first you go division win percentage, which is where a lot of people are mixing this up. Cowboys are undefeated in division, so are the Birds. Even though we've played one less game in division, though, we both have 100% winning percentage in division. Then it goes to common opponents. Our common opponents being the Redskins, who the Cowboys beat, the Jets, who the Cowboys just lost to, and the Packers, who the Cowboys also lost to, us beating all three of those teams. So that's why we currently hold first place, but all that goes out the window. We can't go down to Dallas and compete with this team. So, yeah, it's it's fun to clown the Jets, and I love everyone ripping them apart because the Cowboys are a league's punching bag whenever they lose, and that's how it should be. They're a garbage franchise. They're a fake America's team, and they don't deserve any kind of praise for anything that they do. I don't do my part. <laughs> they're just – they're a joke, and we saw this past weekend why they're a joke because of losses like that. We've got a great opportunity to go down there and beat them, but I'm not dancing on their grave yet knowing that we've got to play them and we've had trouble with them over the past two seasons. Really, since Carson came into the league, he's had trouble with Dallas and we need them to figure that out this weekend because a loss to Dallas really, really puts us in a rough spot as far as the division's concerned. Three and four, that's not a playoff team. Now, four and three, you can salvage something. And you look at teams recently. Last year, the Bears started out 3-3. Three and three. They ended up hosting a playoff game. I think they won 12 games that year. And even yeah, though they, they started lost, off 3-3 three and three and they ended up being 12-4. and four. Yeah, even though they lost to the Birds in the, uh, the first round after the wild card game. Um, or actually, that was, that was the first round. So even though they lost to the Birds, who were coming in. It took a, a double doing for that to happen. So. Yeah, I mean, they were still a good team. So there's hope for the Birds to host a playoff game and have home field advantage for at least one round of the playoffs. And right now, as it stands, we're the number four seed. We've got Seattle coming to the link if the playoffs started today. So we're at benefit of our weak division, which is the plus side. The and bottom also, side. The, well, the other benefit of Deshaun hopefully coming back soon. Right, right, right. But, I mean, the the downside is that we haven't had a great scheme and we do not just have the talent on the defensive side of the ball. We don't have. News broke late last night. Jalen Ramsey traded to the Rams, so he's off the board now. Uh, I mean, there's not really much room on the defensive side of the ball in the defensive backfield for Howie to make a move. If he was going to go get somebody, it should have been Ramsey. Do you think he's in a win-now mentality? I don't think he is. Well, do if you, he's not, do you, or do you think he actually tried to go out and get Jalen Ramsey, and Ramsey didn't want to come here, or how he just didn't? Well, it's try a trade. To go get so Jalen's not Jalen's not going to say he doesn't want to come to Philadelphia. That's not going to be something that Jalen Ramsey. We're we're still make no mistake. We're still a contender. We're still a great organization, a great football city. Jalen Ramsey would be happy to play in this city, I'm sure. So it's not about him. It's about what we were able to offer, what how he was willing to part with. 
and what Shad Khan and the rest of the Jaguars organization are thinking about from their point of view. So bottom line is we didn't go and make the move for Jalen. There's not really too much else that we can do to improve this team out there. There are guys that are slightly better, but you can't mortgage the future. The question about the win now, though, win now is such a stupid buzzword for me or buzz term, whatever you want to call it. Everyone's always trying to win, except maybe Miami this year. You're trying to win. The thing that Howie realizes that we need to remember as a fan base, our window exists as long as Carson Wentz plays quarterback for the Eagles. Look how abysmal some of the parts around him have been this year. And we're still a 500 ball club and a couple drops away from being 5-1. and one. This guy can carry a franchise, and he will for the better part of this next decade, if not a full decade and more. So if I'm Howie, I know that my window exists as long as Carson's there. So if people are clamoring about him not seeming like he wants to win now, he just knows that he doesn't have to sell out for one year because 2020, Carson Wentz will be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. 2021, Wentz quarterback. 2022, Wentz. 23, Wentz. 24, Wentz. 25, Wentz. 26, Wentz. This guy is here for the long haul. Not only do they have him signed, they'll re-sign him. They'll keep him as long as they possibly can. He's the face of our franchise for the next 10 years. So you don't have to worry about selling out for this year. And as much as we're creatures of the moment and we want the birds to win now, we can't get too caught up in one year over the course of what's going to be a great career for Carson Wentz in a window that's going to stay open. But still, even that, like you got to figure out the mistakes right now, not with Carson, but just what you have as his receivers and how you're going to play the defensive side of the ball. You got to draft better. You got to get better players on this team if you want Carson to win a Super Bowl. We do have to draft better. And that's the other argument on the other side of this Jalen Ramsey thing is that Howie doesn't have a great draft. Well, the Eagles or Howie, whatever way you want to view it, don't have a great draft record over the past 10, 15 years. We haven't had many great draft picks. I can think of maybe three that I'm really happy with that exceeded expectations. It's not good. In the NFL, you can't win games like that. 2017 was something where we made a lot of offseason moves that all happened to work out, and hell, that might have been Joe Douglas. We don't know. But the fact of the matter is, if you're arguing to have traded the two first-round picks and the fourth-round pick uh, that the Rams gave up to get Jalen Ramsey in-house, the argument on that side is that Howie hasn't proven he has the ability to draft players of Jalen Ramsey's ca- uh, caliber. And that being said, us hanging on to those picks, even if we finish 500, we're going to end up between 14 and 16. You're not drafting a Jalen Ramsey in the middle of the first round. He was a top 10 pick coming out of college. He's a top five pick talent. And those guys don't come along on the defensive side of the ball at the most important defensive position often. So you're not going to find those guys at 14 to 16 to if the birds make the playoffs up into the 20s. I would have parted with the picks, honestly, but... I can see it from both sides. The bottom line is we have what we have in the building right now. I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet because we're a first-place team in the NFL. We're first place in our division. But a lot hinges on this Dallas game, and we've got a tough stretch of games coming up where the Eagles really need to figure it out. Other than that, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse. We know where the trouble lies with the secondary. We know where our strengths are. We know what we need to do to improve. Bottom line is we have to wake up and go into Dallas and go into Jerry World and 820 on Sunday night. We need to smoke the Cowboys. That's all it is. We can do it. We're capable. Doesn't look like they've got Amari Cooper. We're a good enough team to whoop their ass. Let's go down there and do it. Doug said we're going to win. 
I believe we're going to win. Yeah, put the work in. Get the job done. Start with the ball. Absolutely. Try and get the ball first and just play like you mean it. Play with effort. Don't be giving up on double moves just because you get burned by a step or two. Hustle the whole way. Play hard. Fight. You're talented enough. We'll figure it out. We may not be talented enough to win the Super Bowl, but with the Cowboys' injuries, they're injured as well. They're beaten up as well. They don't have a great coach. We're talented enough to hang with this team. So let's go out there and put a good performance on the field, take first place in the NFC East, and then just go week by week from here on out. Uh, let's look at – I'm sure we didn't do great on the predictions from last week. We'll, we'll run through and see what we got. You want to start with me? I know I was way off because I had – the Eagles winning a three-point margin. Yeah, 30-27 to 27 was Nats. Not crazy off. I mean, it was a little bit higher of a scoring game. Uh, the Birds, you had a little bit of too much confidence in, but I think we all did. I didn't see 20 points. I was hoping they'd put up more, and no one really saw the uh, Vikings running it up, except Kev, who had a 38-35 margin. So you just missed the Vikings, but the Birds came nowhere close for you. 38 points for the Birds would have sent it to OT, though, and would have done it. Uh, I had 34-31 for the Birds. I guess we'll give it to Kev just because he was closest with the Vikings score and we were all pretty far off on the Birds. So there you go. Yeah, really. I'll take it. Yeah, congrats, big guy. <laughs> how, is it, how is it you're the football savant all of a sudden? <laughs> I with, don't know. With picking locks. Well, we're going to Dallas, Sunday Night Football. What do you got? Lead us off. Uh, uh I'm, I'm going to say the Eagles are going to pull 38 this time. And – uh uh, uh, 38. 38 Eagles, um, 36, Dallas. 38-36, okay. I'm say it's a two-point game. Okay. Natty? Man, Dallas has been struggling lately. But now I want to against the answer. Eagles defense, I'm thinking Dallas 27, but Eagles, I'll go 33. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you guys. The Cowboys offense is dog shit without Amari Cooper. We're going to stack the box against Zeke. We have a very, very good run defense, and I'm not worried about Dak at all. I'd rather play Dak than Kirk Cousins. I'd rather play Dak than maybe 15 of the 32 quarterbacks in the league. He's bottom half of the league for me, and his ability to just run the offense and throw the ball without a premier talent at wideout. Sounds like Amari Cooper isn't playing. The Birds have looked god-awful on offense, too. Even if we get Deshaun back, I'm assuming it's going to be limited. So I'm going to go a little bit lower scoring. I'm going to have it the Birds 21, Dallas 17. Nice four-point victory for the Birds. Uh, the spread on this game, they are three-point underdogs on the road. So just like Minnesota, which hopefully it doesn't end up like that game. It comes down much, to home field advantage. It's pretty much a pick em with home field advantage. I want to change my answer real quick. Okay. 28-24 Eagles. Wow. That's a big change. I don't know. Can we allow them to change it? I say allow it. All but right. if, I, if I'm Kevin, I'm thinking I stick with my first choice. 28 Because he is a football savant, so. I'm going to say I, I feel more confident with 28-24. Okay. All right, so Nats got him 33-27 yeah. Birds win. I Jared. know it's high offense, but, I mean, the Eagles yeah. consistently, like, give up, like, around 27 points at least. So, yeah, well, we'll see. Who knows? We're, we've been all over the place. Uh, Kev's 28-24. I'm 21-17. Brian, you on the phone? Yeah, I'm here, Connor. What do you think the score is going to be? I don't know, Connor. All right. So, Brent's got no idea. Um, we're going to leave him. This is his second straight week of not being – not Marshall's just, fault this time. Did so. he just forget? 
Like he's, I don't he must be asleep or something. Maybe it's his like, dad won't let him on the phone because of the weather. Brett is not here because he couldn't drive in because it was drizzling outside. So maybe he's not allowed on the phone either. Should I try calling him? Um, you can Let's, if you can if you want him? to. We're gonna do a little bit of a switch up for the lock of the week because we missed this past week. <laughs> Kansas City lost outright to Houston, which is just ridiculous. So we're now uh, what two and three on the year for locks. We're gonna. F- we're going to take a foray into the world of ice hockey. Okay, get this, guys. So last night I placed three bets on the spread in the world of NHL. So I had Leafs uh, minus one and a half. I had Hurricanes minus one and a half. And Canucks in the wings. Yeah, I won that game. So if we're making our lock of the week hockey for tomorrow night's games, there's two games that I like a lot. So right now I'm looking at Sens Golden Knights. If you want easy money, I mean, take Golden Knights in the spread on that. That's going to be real easy. I wouldn't be surprised if the spread on that was minus two and a half, and the Sens are god-awful, and the Knights, uh, I mean, we all know how dominant they can be. I don't see the Sens winning this one by any means. Here's another one I really like. So it's Golden Knights minus two and a half? I'll only go minus one and a half. Well, a little bit what's safer. the line? The line, I'm, I'm just, I just have the NHL up right now. Okay, we got, we got to see what the line. Let's see, is. let's take a look at the actual line. Yep, <laughs> should make our own lines, man. Come on. Does it say uh, B Ford had a very weird voicemail? He left you a voicemail? No, it, it just, it, I thought he answered, but he didn't, because there's a lot of, there's like, there's like thudding going on. Who is it? It's Vegas and who? Uh, Vegas and Ottawa. Do you want to do money line Vegas? Money line Vegas is going to be super easy. Yeah. Okay. You might not win bet. a whole lot off of that one. It's it's a super safe bet. But we need a winner to get us back in the right corner. So yeah. we're going to go money line with the Golden Knights. That, I, are they home against Ottawa? Golden Knights are home. Okay. Even if it was uh, Vegas on the road, I would still take Vegas in that because Ottawa's just got awful. Gotcha. Uh, the other Here's another one I like. Sabres-Kings. So uh, Sabres, 5-0-1 record against the 2-4 and Kings. I would go Sabres minus one and a half in that game. Which just one are been... you locking in? Which one are you more sure on? Which one am I more sure on? Got to go with one lock. If I had to go one lock, all right, fine. Vegas, Vegas. Let's go with Vegas. Okay. They need to prove something because they have more. They're closer to a 500, 500 record than Buffalo is, and the Kings have a little bit of that chip on their shoulder, like going into their own building against uh, Buffalo. Gotcha. Hockey lock of the week. Uh, Moneyline Golden Knights versus the Ottawa Senators got the Knights taken at home. A little safe bet, favored, playing the money line just so we can uh, get back to even, stay 500 on the year and not lose too much money for you guys. So that's our lock of the week. We'll get into a little more hockey talk with the Flyers coming up. Well, I guess let's start with you because you were actually at the home opener. So We, we got to talk Phillies first. We we have to cover what, what happened with this team. and So Gabe Kapler's out as manager. I don't know if you guys caught the press conference for – I know I know you're shaking your head over there. Now, I don't know if you caught the press conference for I've heard Matt, some pretty Matt Klintak go- I've heard some pretty Andy good soundbites. And these guys just don't know. It's so apparent that they have no game plan and have no idea what they're doing whatsoever. They use Gabe as a scapegoat. And whether it was justified or not, I don't care. You can argue till you're blue in the face whether Gabe Kapler deserved to keep his job or not. I don't care about Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler's not important to this team anymore. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if he should have stayed. He's gone. That's the bottom line. And the reason he's gone is because Matt Klintak and Andy McPhail are absolutely just 
incompetent at their jobs. They don't know how to put a baseball team together personnel-wise. They don't know how to find a manager. They don't know what they're looking for in a manager. They don't have any clue on how to run an organization, a baseball team. I mean, they just don't get the basic, basic practices of putting together a successful organization that, I mean, we can see. People in Philadelphia can see. You hear people calling in to talk radio all the time talking about it. You think about it when you think about the Phillies. I'm sure it's pretty simple. You find a manager you can trust who can create a culture, a winning culture in the team. You stick with your guy. You come up with – if it's analytics, it's analytics. If it's culture, it's culture. If you're going to go old school, you go old school. But you find one, you stick with one, you ride it until it doesn't work, and then you take the blame for it if it goes wrong. You can't just say we have the right pieces in place when it's obvious that we don't or say that you're working towards something when it's obvious you're not and backtrack from a manager you've had here for two years so you put your confidence in that now there's no confidence in him anymore and he's gone and you've got to bring in a brand new guy. And on top of that, now we don't trust you to bring in the right guy because you don't have confidence in the first guy you brought in. The whole organization right now is in a very dark place with the Philadelphia Phillies. And maybe the saddest part is that this is as talented as the Phillies roster has been since 2011. So they, they have the players, and there's two guys in suits who sit up in a luxury box at the bank and watch this team play games that's standing between them and being a good organization. It's an affront to the fans. I really don't know the way out without John Middleton firing both of them, McPhail and Klintak. So the president's got to be gone, the GM's got to be gone, but that's on the owner. And people have long argued that John Middleton doesn't care enough about winning. So I don't know where we go from here. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a couple manager decisions to be made, whether it's we better not sign Buck Walter, but maybe Girardi will come here. Maybe we'll get lucky and we'll get him. I wouldn't hate seeing like Mike Sosha come in, a guy who's been there before. I mean, Joe Madden's already went to the Angels. Dusty Baker's got no clue what he's doing. Buck Walter is the same thing. They're both just old guys who have no idea. They're used to the old school baseball and they have proven that they can't win in this modern era. So I don't know who you bring in short of Girardi deciding that he wants to come save us. And even then, yeah, I count on the front office getting out of his way. That's where the Phillies stand right now in my mind. They're just they're heading down a dark, dark path, and I don't know how they dig their way out of it. And I'm not going to waste my breath trying to figure it out because clearly Clintac and McPhail don't have a plan. Fair enough? Fair enough. Okay. Let's talk a little Flyers. They're what, 2-1-1? 2-1-1. I was going to say, I don't know how records work. I thought a shootout, a shootout is that extra. Shootout is an overtime loss, so yeah. That. Okay, so it's not bad. They've only lost one game all year. I didn't get to watch the game that they went into the shootout for, but talk to us a little bit about the Flyers so far, Natty. You're a hockey guy. I mean, you can't – for years, goaltending has been the problem, and goaltending has been stellar. Their worst game in terms of goaltending was the first game they won. So, and there were people that say, oh, it was Brian Elliott's fault that they lost against Calgary. It was like, he stopped 35 of 37 shots. What the fuck are you talking about? Where's the offense that game? You solved the glaring problem of the goaltending issue. And you bring all these high-paid players in. You have James Van Riemsdyk as your sniper. You have Kevin Hayes as a great two-way forward. And AV's benching Jake Voracek for not handling the puck well enough, for not acting like... He's caring. It's like, what are you paying these guys top dollar for? You're paying them to put points up on the board, and 
you can't do that. I don't care if Jacob Marsham is a great goaltender. I don't care if David Riddick is a great goaltender for Calgary. I don't care. You've flown all these miles, and it's quote-unquote finally catching up to you. You've played some of the fewest games that most other NHL teams have played. I mean, some teams have already played six, seven, eight games at this point, and the Flyers only played four. Like You've had time to rest. Yeah, traveling sucks, but everyone does it at some point. Every team goes on back-to-back trips. Every team goes on crazy road trips. There are no excuses that you can have with this team because you have the coaching staff, you have the players, you have the goaltending. Now what are you going to do about it? At least the home opener was fun for you. You got to watch a hell of a game there. Yeah, that was a good one. I don't think they're in any kind of trouble yet. They look like a competitive hockey team, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a team that's going to skate with other teams, put the puck on net. They've done that. I mean, they didn't have offense last – was it last night they played against Calgary? Yeah. Tough test tonight uh, seeing Connor McDavid. Uh, we'll see how they do with that one. That'll be over before this podcast aired, so you guys already know how that went. But I don't see the same problems with the Flyers that we had, but they're not a totally fixed team yet. We'll have to wait for them to develop a little bit more, see what we really have with them. Yeah, I mean, this might be – their window like it's not like the Eagles where you have this huge window I don't see the cup window for the Flyers being very big at all a teams under AV tend to do really well right out of the gate not later in his tenure like for this I say like go for it now like no more of the hex stall like taking it easy like be macro patient kind of shit no now's the time to put the pedal to the metal yeah but I think they're going after it they have the talent they're playing aggressive hockey uh, I think A.V. wants to get back there, and he knows how to get there. He's been there multiple times. So we'll keep an eye on the Flyers. The one team, almost the antithesis of what we were just talking about there, the Sixers, they're going to be there. You know for a fact. You can see them. I mean, it's preseason, and we were talking about them playing a Chinese team and Ben Simmons hitting a three. They played a couple NBA teams in preseason, and – Preseason is what it is, but I don't think they've been within 20 points of a team that they played. They're unreal, man. They're unreal. Everyone top to bottom on this lineup has just looked great, even down to guys like Kylo Quinn, whose passing looks incredible, and guy, other guys off the bench. Matisse Thibel is going to be ridiculous defensively. This kid's amazing. He's knock on wood healthy. That's me. Knocking on the table, Kev. Kev just looked at the door like your dog does when you like fake knock under the cabinet or whatever. We haven't heard a lot from you today, Kev. You doing okay? Yeah. We're doing a lot of sports. We'll, we'll, we'll get Kev in in a second. But the Sixers, almost opposite of the Flyers, where we have to wait and see what they are, we can already tell this Sixers team is going to be something special. We're going to talk about the ad nauseum over the next couple months as the NBA season goes on. And if they're the only bright point, I'd love to spend a lot of time on the Sixers as the winter progresses. So right now... We're going to leave it at that. Preseason, they look amazing. They look healthy. Brett Brown looks confident. The team looks confident. They're going to run teams out of the building this year, and I love that they're already starting to establish their identity as a defensive team because the length on this team and just the desire to play defense and the grit, they just have it. They have a dog mentality, and that's what you need to – be a championship team. So Especially the makeup, with the roster you have. Yeah. The defense is going to win you. Yeah. The makeup is there for this team to be incredibly competitive, and we knew that coming in. All right, Kev. You still there? You're not I'm still dead here. of boredom yet? Nope. Not. Okay. Well, Kev, you had plenty of time to think because 
you brought this up last week that we want to do a Mount Rushmore of uh, scary movies to watch for Halloween. So, yeah. All right. Well, Bren's not here, so he's going to forfeit his picks, which makes it pretty easy for us. We've got a lot of options. Um, you lead us off, Kev. You take the first overall pick. All right. First overall pick is honestly a cult classic. Uh, it's a nice family movie, too. I'm going to say Nightmare Before Christmas. It's a great Halloween movie. Oh, dude. Uh, I don't know if I like it as the first pick, though. I'm just saying it as a first, like, general overall pick or, like, a movie that everybody can watch on Halloween, including kids. Okay, so you're going with the inclusive factor. Yes. All right. All right. I see. Okay. Natty? Uh, one of my favorites, The Devil's Rejects. It's a really good movie made by Rob Zombie. A sequel, technically. But you don't have to watch the the first movie, House of a Thousand Corpses, to uh, understand what's going on. It's just a great all-around horror movie. I've never actually seen it or heard of it it's really good it's one of the like one of the best horror movies of the uh of the 2000s give me a sparks notes uh spark notes just three convicts just go on a murder spree it's like oh. horror elements action okay. like not so much action adventure elements but i can't get behind that murder <laughs> big big murder guy Kev. <laughs> jesus yeah i mean I was trying to think of a way to word that I legitimately thought. I was like, oh, I can get with – I thought the same thing. And I was like, I'm not going to say, yeah, cool with that murder spree hey, by the convicts. I mean, it's Halloween. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough. Speaking of Halloween, my first pick, I'm going to go with the original Halloween. Uh, the original. Yeah, the OG Mike Myers back in the day. I was going to say the remake was done by uh, – also done by Rob Zombie. So. I was yeah. about to say – I've seen the that, remake. The remake's, yeah. the remake's pretty good too. Uh, but I gotta go with the OG. I can't. I can't pick a remake for if I'm picking the best four horror movies of all time that are available. I can't. Most can't of the movies in that series are great. Yeah, they're they're all very good. It's a well done, well done series. There. I almost picked Halloween Four in my Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween Four. I almost picked that. See, I <laughs> I can't go with like a Halloween number this or that or that. I'm just gonna go with the original Halloween to keep it a little bit more more pure of a list all right and we're going snake so i got the next one the next one i'm going to go with gotta go with the exorcist yes still, yes yeah. still a lot of people I, say the scariest movie of all time never actually seen it really you gotta check it out it's so good. i don't know if i want to i don't think it holds up as the scariest movie of all time just because the time it was actually filmed there's right. so much more you can do with film these days, but you can totally see why it freaked people out. And it's still like, yeah, it's, not, it's a scary movie. <laughs> it's absolutely a scary movie. Now I'm it may sure. not hold up against like stuff that's getting put out now just because of the CGI and like all the effects yeah. and everything. That movie's creepy, man. It's definitely worth checking out. You can see why that's viewed as like one of the scariest movies of all time. There yeah. was a Metallica festival I went to, and uh, Kirk Hammett, their guitar player, is really into horror movies. He brought Linda Blair out, who played uh, the girl from that movie, really uh, out for an event. So, wow, Jeez. that's something. All right, Natty, give us your second pick. My second pick, I'm going with the first Alien movie. So the original Alien, because. Like most people would call that a sci-fi movie, but I consider it more of a horror movie than anything else. I consider else. like Alien and the Predator movies and those guys. I'd consider those horror movies. Yeah, yeah hey, they're basically that. like a double like sci-fi horror. Yeah, for sure. I've never actually seen the original Alien. Though. Alien's really good. The first time I watched it, 4K TV, surround sound, 
And oh, the TV is like the size of that wall back there. So that's the way to watch that movie. It's yeah. still with the sound and everything. It still holds up to this day. It's a great movie. Got to check it out. Kev? All right. My number two, the uh, OG Blair Witch. Oh, okay. That's a good pick. There that we was, go. That was there definitely in the running for me. Yeah. So, Blair Witch Project. 100%. That one literally like self filmed and everything kind of yeah. sparked that whole thing because that was before like Cloverfield and stuff like yeah. that. Like that was the first one. If people thought that was like real and stuff, they're trying yeah. to figure it out. And the scariest thing about it was you never saw like the actual thing, so it's like your imagination just took. Are over. you a big fan of that? Big fan. I'd rather actually like see, like people are like, oh, you never see the thing. It's scary. I think if you don't see it the whole time, but then at the end you finally see it, that's I, powerful. Yeah. But like. I don't see it the whole time. What am I supposed to be scared of? It, that's, I mean, it's true. Like, I, I can agree with that. But at the same yeah. time, like, you can Im- just letting your imagination, like, get away for a second. Run wild. Just run, go just crazy. Yeah, maybe I'm not that imaginative. I, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You said it, not me. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. Great pick, though. Incredible yeah. movie. The Blair Witch Project. All right, Natty. Big one to follow. All right. Back to me. You guys- good stuff still on the board. What do you, you got? You guys ever seen the movie Teeth? I feel like I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Just watch the fucking trailer for that movie. It is freaky. Teeth. Spark it's just, one it's again. just called Teeth. Does it star uh, Chip Skylark? No. My shiny teeth in me. No. <laughs> Gentlemen, you wish that's what this movie was about. This movie is about a monster that lives inside of this woman but the monster comes out of her vagina oh yeah it's kind of like jennifer's body right that's a freaky fucking movie oh yikes (laughs) yeah well i don't get late so i don't have to worry about it i'm good (laughs) that's not scary to me (laughs) oh man okay teeth no i have i haven't seen that one but i know i know of it that's that's a scary scary thought like uh, a drunk hookup that ends up like that, that would be yeah. Which there's a there's a, a scene like that in the movie, and Oof. it is uh, wild. Yeah, I'm out on that. Um, my next one movie, it's a little bit more recent, called The Strangers. You guys ever seen it? Yeah, I, is it on Netflix? It, it it so I don't know if it, it was on Netflix for a little bit there. Maybe at the beginning of the month it was. I know the second one, which isn't as good, is out on, uh, I think, Amazon Prime or okay. HBO Go right now. But, yeah, it's the one where it's a newly married couple. They go out to a cabin in the woods. Oh! And it's the, like, weird family with just, like, masks on. The dad, yeah. the mom, and the, the daughter. Like, that one. That freaks me out because the thing with, like, scary movies, like, you could do whatever you want with, like, ghosts and exorcism and shit like yeah. that. And, yeah, I kind of believe in that stuff. I believe in ghosts. I think there's some truth to that even though the stories may be exaggerated, but the strangers of just some some people showing up in a remote place, knocking on the door, and then just murdering you. Because, they they say it, because you were home? Fuck that. <laughs> that was it. Guys, Yo. I'm home sometimes. What if they come for me? Oh, my God. You, you're actually you actually home? That's the only requirement. They, they did it because <laughs> you were home, not you, because you're a bad person. You live, in the city. you live in a city, so the purge is more likely know, to happen I know. than that. I know. I think I survived the purge, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> but that's why I'm not going camping by myself. I'm not taking my wife out to a cabin one day or anything. No, screw that, dude. No, I'm being very safe because 
yeah, if someone just decides they want me dead, dang, that's that's yeah. it. I'm fighting for my life. It's a scary thing, and it could happen, and it has happened. Like, shit like that happens, dude. And you wonder how many times it happens without us hearing about it. Yeah. Truth is stranger Yo, than fiction. I don't want to uh, get yeah, off topic, I'm, but that's like Cabin in the Woods type deal. What's Cabin in the Woods? You've never seen Cabin in the Woods? Another movie? Yeah. No, I haven't. I think it's on Netflix right now, actually. I think I scrolled by it. Probably. Yeah. Where it's uh, like a like a group vacation, like mm. to a cabin in the woods. And Classic. Yeah. But yeah, that stuff comes from somewhere. I'm totally out on ever making any kind of trips like that. But The Strangers always got me because of just how realistic it seems to me that someone yeah. like that could happen. I can't think of a reason to prevent that from happening because their only reasoning was because you were home. Because you were home. The <laughs> final one that I'm going to give is uh, The Conjuring. You guys ever seen The Conjuring? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. No. Okay, so The Conjuring is the story of this family. It's this mom and dad, and they got like, they have a shitload of daughters, like five or six daughters. Yeah. Like this dude has the worst luck with kids ever. But all daughters, um, and basically they move into this new house, and the basement was boarded off, and they got it for like a pretty good deal. Like it, it's kind of like the Amityville horror sort of like that. If you remember that movie at all, they move in and shit just goes absolutely wild. They have to come in and like, they have to try to like exercise the house, but they can't exercise the house. So then like, people get possessed. A lot of crazy stuff's happening. Yeah. There's a shitload of ghosts. I heard, I, I heard like a cra- like crazy shit happens, but I've never actually seen it. You got to watch that one because it's like, yeah. It, Didn't they make like two more? Uh, I don't think they made multiple of The Conjuring. You may be thinking like Insidious oh, or yeah, Sinister. Yeah. They make a couple of those, but they're similar ones to that. But The Conjuring, for my money, is one of the scarier movies I've ever seen. Just left and right, just terrifying stuff, the, all kinds of paranormal things like that. And so. off the top of my head, I think they did make multiple sequels. That. I think An- I think Annabelle is part of that series. Well, those are all the same. So they're not like The Conjuring 2 and The Conjuring oh. 3, but there's a lot of stuff that exists within that same yeah, horror like movie same universe. Horror. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's my last it. one. Natty, what do you got for your last one? I thought you were going to say The Amity of a Horse, or I didn't put it on my list. What? But one of my favorite horror movies, in fact, if... I have to pick my all-time favorite, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ooh, that's a really good pick. I love Great Texas pick. Chainsaw. I think that's an underrated uh, scary movie. That's not like in the upper pantheon for a lot of people. And that one, the not, concept is just fucking weird. Not the new one with Arlie Ermey. No, the original mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, It's up there. It's more of a psychological thriller, in my opinion, than anything else. It's still just such a weird, weird, messed up movie. Yeah. In every sense of the word, yeah. Yeah, but that's a good one. Leatherface is a great, great uh, horror movie uh, monster, too. Kev, round us out. All right. Um, Got two picks here. All right. There's so many great movies out there. So many great movies. Second to last, I'd probably say Saw. Saw? Saw, the first one. That was one of the first ones that genuinely scared the living shit out of me when I saw it. That's another one that's kind of, like, realistic, right? Yeah. Like, it's based in reality, and there's not ghosts or anything like that. It's some dude who's picking people who did something they yep. disagrees with or was wrong, and one second you're just chilling, and the next second you got to chop your leg off to get right, out of yeah. something. Or, like, shove your fingers in your eyes and, like, just... Uh. That's 
for me like that and maybe like Final Destination are up there for like gore the gore yeah. oh, factor yeah. like torture porn oh, yeah. that just yeah it makes you squeam uh, anything with eyes just freaks me out yeah don't go near my eyes <laughs> see for me with a movie like that it's just the idea of it freaks me out, and then when I actually see it, I almost laugh my ass off with some of the gore in that movie. Oh yeah, almost there, at times. Over the at top, times, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. it is over the top. There's a few but scenes, just... a few scenes, and like it's so over the top where you can't help but it, just laugh. It jumps the shark. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then what do you got for your last one, Kev? So last pick, big right. one. I started off a little family friendly. I'm gonna end family friendly. Uh oh, Monster House. Monster okay. House. Oh, that's, that's a, a good one. I really like that pick. Monster House that, is just a good. That I think is the most underrated movie on this list. It's almost too nice. Your list is almost too nice for me to respect. Yeah, well, well I, I, I tried contrasting. Movies. I'm trying to contrast okay. here. I respect it. Monster House is a good movie. That's it is. It, I, there was one scene that actually scared me for a minute. Which one? So like I saw it when I was younger, like when it first came out in theaters, and it was a scene where like it was doing the backstory of. The, the the girl who like dies in the house. Okay. And it was like her like burying under it and the house just like coming to life. Oh yeah. Like that scene like kind of scared me a little bit. I can see why that would freak you out. But. For sure. Good good couple of lists we'll put together. We're actually gonna get this one out on Twitter uh, and get some votes on this one. Um so we'll put that out. You guys can vote on who you think had the list. You can add in some of your guys' options. Uh now we're up against it for me. I've got to go bartend something called let me pull up the actual description of this event so it's called a different kind of latin night i don't know what that means but that's what i'm bartending tonight that almost makes it sound like it's naked salsa dancing the way they describe that event that would be cool (laughs) that would be amazing that would be cool i'm thinking it's weird and it'll probably be like just some weird collection i've got to go book it and go bartend that but I'm going to leave you guys in the capable hands of Kev and Nat, who you guys feel free do some Joker talk. I would say no spoilers just because people listen yeah. to it well, may not I got have a, seen it yet. I got a better idea in that if that's the case. I actually have to do a tour here for school. So we'll give you guys another week to see Joker. So And that's we'll have our Joker discussion, review, whatever you want to call it at that point. So we'll save, we'll save any spoilers for you. We'll give you one week's time. I'm set on that. Okay, cool. Then we'll just call it here. Fact check anything? Uh, fact check. Um, not really. We didn't really talk too much yeah. about anything. Like, <laughs> except appreciate. Well, we didn't really <laughs> talk too much about anything. Okay, except to, that's didn't... how you put a podcast together, folks. That's how you sell it. We didn't really talk too much except about Kev, anything. You forgot your fact check last week. I did. I did. You know and why? And that's you all the show because... that no, we no, have no, no, for no, today. No, 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 it was no, no, great no, to see you no, on the no, Jetro no, no. podcast. Wayne we will is see Canadian. you guys. Wayne Simmons is next Canadian. Week. He's Canadian. You guys take it easy. <laughs>